Hey there, my name is Kathy, and welcome to my podcast, That Chronic Thing. I'm here to share my experiences living with chronic illness, including ME-CFS and MS, and offer support and advice for dealing with similar struggles. This show is a resource for anyone looking for support, advice, and a sense of community as they navigate life with chronic illness. I know firsthand how hard it can be to adapt to a new way of life, managing symptoms, finding a new rhythm, and doing this all while you're going to a gazillion doctor's visits. But through my own struggles, I've learned to find joy and laughter along the way, and I really hope you can do the same. So join me and other chronic illness warriors as we tackle the ups and downs of living with chronic illness together. May is ME-CFS Awareness Month, so I decided to take today's episode to tell you more about my experience with this disease, as well as educate you about it. The great majority of people don't know anything about it. They don't even know what ME-CFS stands for. And can I blame them? Even though this disease is twice as common as MS, I bet you know that MS is multiple sclerosis, but don't know ME-CFS stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay, and if I'm being honest, I'm pretty sure I always misspell encephalomyelitis. So how did we get here? Let's start back with my experience, my symptoms, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about the disease. If you listened to my second episode of That Chronic Thing, I explained that I always felt I was a little physically slower than others, that things were a little harder, but the pudding really hit the fan in late 2019 when I was suddenly hit with debilitating fatigue. I couldn't walk short distances without needing to sit down and rest. And as much as I didn't want to admit it, it wasn't just the physical symptoms. I was sometimes getting slower mentally as well. In episode two, I tell the story of the Curry incident, which no, does not end up on a toilet and no, does not end up with me spilling food everywhere either. So you're safe with that. I used to work in an office that was a short distance from my employer's cafe. At lunchtime, everyone would walk over to the cafe, and Thursdays were my favorite day at the vegan station, curry day. I always made time for lunch on curry day. So on one particular day in fall 2019, I started out towards the cafe, and man, I could feel the exhaustion throughout every limb. And like I had been doing for months, I ignored it. I got to the cafe, picked up my bowl of deliciousness, and paid. And as I paid, I thought, man, this is heavy. And as I walked back to my desk, I thought increasingly, this is heavy, heavier, so much heavier. And by the time I got back to the building, I was in tears, both from the fear of dropping my beloved lunch but also from the realization that I simply couldn't hold a bowl of food that couldn't have been more than a pound. Shortly after that, my boss and I agreed that I should go out on a leave of absence. I had assumed I would take two weeks to visit doctors, figure out what was wrong with me, and return to work. Things didn't exactly go that way. In episode two, I detail how I visited 
many doctors before I finally found someone who pivoted me towards a rheumatologist who finally diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. And the funny thing is three years later, we are pretty sure I don't actually have fibro. But this doctor was able to say to me, you're in a lot of pain and you have extensive fatigue, more than that of fibro. So let me refer you to Stanford's ME-CFS clinic. And quick reminder, that stands for Myalgic Encephalomyelitis Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Side note here, I'm incredibly privileged to A, live within the vicinity of Stanford, and B, have health insurance that allows me to be a patient there. I'm well aware of both things. A few months later, I finally had my virtual appointment with the Stanford ME-CFS clinic. At that time, I met with a physician's assistant who was incredibly research-based. She spoke quickly and slammed me with facts. To say I was overwhelmed would be an understatement, but to say I was relieved to find someone who acknowledged my condition and agreed it existed, to have found someone who validated me, that was true as well, and I was happy about that. In addition to slamming me with data, she interviewed me and asked me many questions about my life, probing further on certain areas. I remember telling her about one instance and one similar to it where I had done something seemingly innocuous and then been met with an onslaught of pain, chills, light sensitivity, nausea, all at once. Sometimes it lasted for an hour, and sometimes it lasted for a few days. It was based upon this experience that she diagnosed me with ME-CFS, and it was this experience which she called PEM, or post-exertional malaise. This was one of the key diagnostic criteria for ME-CFS. I wanted to get this definition right for you, so I turned to Dr. Google. From cdc.gov, Worsening of ME-CFS symptoms after physical or mental activity that would not have caused a problem before illness. This is known as post-exertional malaise, PEM. People with ME-CFS often describe this experience as a crash, relapse, or collapse. During PEM, any ME-CFS symptoms may get worse or first appear, including difficulty thinking, problems sleeping, sore throat, headaches, feeling dizzy, or severe tiredness. It may take days, weeks, or longer to recover from a crash. Sometimes patients may be housebound or even completely bedbound during crashes. People with ME-CFS may not be able to predict what will cause a crash or how long it will last. Well, that's all true, but I feel like it's just not painful enough. So I turned to my trusty Instagram community. My Instagram friend Sammy is a wealth of knowledge. Please turn to the show notes for a link to their account. They say PEM refers to a unique metabolic and neurological dysfunction that occurs in ME-CFS patients after mental or physical exertion. Indications urine PEM include Increased resting heart rate, sore throat, severe fatigue exhaustion, dizziness when standing and sitting up, increased sensory sensitivity. Other symptoms include 
paralysis, seizures, migraine headaches, fever, temperature imbalances, muscle spasms, muscle pain, joint pain, cold and flu symptoms, depression or mood swings, hyper or hyposomnia. Yeah, that, that's a little bit more thorough, right? And I had a lot of these symptoms. It was based upon my PEM symptoms along with some other criteria that I received my diagnosis and I was officially a patient at the ME CFS clinic. As a patient at the clinic, I've trialed many medicines. Some have been complete flops and some have worked. I've decided not to share my inventory of flops here as I don't think that will be useful. You're always welcome to message me with any questions or comments. I will share that I take Abilify in a microdose compounded format and it is very helpful. This is an off-label use of the medicine. How it was discovered that it works in this way for folks with ME-CFS, I don't know, but I am very grateful. I know it has greatly enhanced the lives of many people. And on that note, let's take a moment to share some facts with ME-CFS, such as there are no FDA-approved medicines for it. Like you just heard, we patients are taking some off-label medicines in an effort to simply survive, but that is a big difference from an FDA-approved medicine. And there is no universally effective treatment. What works for one person may not work for another. Here's a whammy. Less than 6% of people recover. Yep, I know. Less than 6% of people and here are some facts from Go Blue for MECFS, an account on Instagram. I'll link you in the show notes. 75% of people are unable to work. That includes me. 25% of people are housebound or bedridden. 75 to 85% of people are women. MECFS patients have the lowest median quality of life score when compared with other serious diseases such as cancer, MS, stroke, RA, and diabetes. MECFS affects an estimated 17 to 24 million people worldwide. There is no single test that can diagnose ME. There is no cure. Let's take a moment to talk about how MECFS is a fluctuating disease with a spectrum of functionality from mild to severe. I have moderate MECFS, which means I'm mostly housebound. I can walk around in my home, but definitely need a mobility aid outside of the house. A cane is okay if it's a short distance, but usually a wheelchair. Daily tasks like bathing and cooking are a struggle. I likely had mild MECFS for years and didn't realize it. Remember when I said things were always physically just a little bit harder for me? When you have mild function, you're still extremely ill with estimated loss of 50% function. You may work, but with the expense of other areas of life. In my case, I was working full-time and had a side gig and couldn't figure out why I was miserable, was sleeping so much, and in short, just couldn't keep up. And then eventually, my disease progressed to an irrevocable stage. 
severe ME-CFS is broken out into severe and very severe. Severe ME-CFS function means the individual is mostly bedbound, relies on a wheelchair, and is completely dependent on others for personal care. Likely hypersensitive to light, sound, touch, scents, and certain foods. Very severe is mostly bedbound, often can't speak, and is in constant, often untreatable pain. Individuals often require nutritional support, meaning tube-fed. This condition can be fatal, especially if mismanaged by physicians. Thank you to GoBlue for ME-CFS for these facts. Learning about ME-CFS can be jarring for many people. I hear people say, how did I not know about this? Why is no one talking about this? Are you sure about these numbers? Also, how did you get this? With inadequate funding, there is still so much to learn. But with long COVID sadly joining the ME-CFS party, we're learning a lot more in the past couple years. We already knew that ME-CFS is a post-viral illness. My doctors guessed that my ME-CFS was caused by the Epstein-Barr virus. I caught mono, which is caused by Epstein-Barr, back when I was in college. I have a friend with ME-CFS whose condition was likely caused by the H1N1 flu virus. If there's a takeaway here, people, it is that viruses aren't to be messed with. Please mask up, get your vaccines, and wash your hands. I could definitely go on about long COVID, but I think I'll save that for another time. Writing the script for this podcast has been ironically arduous, and I'm ready to throw in the towel. <laughs> in honor of MECFS Awareness Month, I'd like to ask you to share awareness posts, donate to research organizations, and simply help spread awareness about this horrible disease. If you do go on Instagram, I will be sharing lots of awareness posts, and it's really easy for you to share them. I'll also have lots of information in the show notes, so please check it out. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that all these facts get to sink into your brain and you get to do something with them. If you have any questions, reach out to me anytime. Um, All the information, again, is in the show notes. Um, I'm so happy to have you here. It really means a lot to me. Until next time, I hope you have a low symptom or even better, no symptom week. Take care.